Does it seem like you're not getting enough done at work? Are you having a hard time communicating with your spouse? Here's a crazy idea for you. Have you ever thought that the root to your problems might not be communication, but maybe teamwork? Well, today on the show, we're going to be talking about teamwork. We'll be bringing up an expert to help us get through all of our problems with other people. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show right after the news. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Just a day before it was set to go into effect, the New York Supreme Court has struck down the controversial ban on large sugary drinks in New York City. One justice said the measure was fraught with arbitrary and capricious consequences. Former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick was convicted of an array of corruption charges, ensuring that he will be headed back to prison. During the five-month trial, prosecutors proved Kilpatrick used his political position as a private profit machine. Harvard officials are apologizing today for a secret search of staff emails that occurred as part of an effort to discover how media outlets found out about a cheating scandal. The search was limited to administrative accounts. No personal emails were searched. Recently confirmed Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel's first trip to Afghanistan was wrought with tough exchanges, pushing talks far off script. Afghan President Hamid Karzai accused the U.S. of colluding with the Taliban. Hagel firmly disputed the charge. In world news, Japanese leaders led the nation in a memorial service this morning to mark the second anniversary of the deadly earthquake and tsunami that took the lives of over 16,000 and displaced over 160,000 people. And yet another discomforting move, North Korean authorities nullified the 1953 armistice, which effectively ended active combat in the Korean War. Combined South Korean and American military forces have been conducting drills. Thanks to British researchers, patients developing Alzheimer's disease could be diagnosed as much as decades earlier, allowing for significantly more effective treatments of the degenerative disease. At the box office, Oz, the Great and the Powerful took a commanding lead with moviegoers, raking in over $150 million on its opening weekend. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on our program every day of the week to give you some ideas, some tools to give you a leg up on life. We have got a doozy of a topic for you today. Today, we're talking teamwork, and I'm doing that because I'm wanting to improve my team. So I've gathered them all around me like little chicks to a hen. That sounds weird. I can tell that you're really supportive of us. Well, it now. also sounded weird because I only saw three ladies in front of me. So chicks to a hen sounded like that was just sexist or something. I didn't mean it like that, but we're a team and I'm bringing you around. And today we're talking teamwork. Are you excited? I think your word faux pas there was doozy. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Um, again, Support. See, Good teamwork. Just support was, all over. That's why we need more work on team and timing. Let's add timing to this, too. Um, so on the show today, we're talking teamwork, right? What else are we talking? We're going to be talking. I've, I know we'll have examples from Bryce. We'll have a little bit of a rant. I have a feeling he's going to have a team rant in him. And then Rob's going to probably get into a story about cars or the interstate. Actually, uh, no, not this time. 
got a story that doesn't have anything to do with cars at all. Holy cow. See? Teamwork. It's working. So we're going to talk about that. But before we like to get into any of like the deep stuff, we always like to start with this fun thing we call the human headlines. Real news that affects real people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Human headlines. Oh, yeah. So the human headlines. There you have it. We, this is where we like to get into the good, the bad, the ugly. All things human coming out of the news. We, we go around the horn here, and we give everybody a chance to educate us and inform us on the human race. Who's up first, Jesse? I've got a really sweet story for you, tearjerker, to start off the show. Oh, you're not going to make us cry, are you? I hope so. Um, yes. <laughs> Good what luck. What type of a hope is that? <laughs> like, no, Bryce, like, I haven't cried since I was a baby. I don't remember what tears are. Just oh. you wait. This is, okay. I'm going to remember. This is news, though. Help Human news, right? Let's hear it. What is it? Right. So, uh, eight-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl, their brother and sister, yes. saved their mother's life because she was driving, driving, riding a horse. They got spooked. She fell and was knocked unconscious. She broke five ribs, Ooh. left wrist, and her collarbone was broke, broken. Um, and her kids jumped in, and the son stayed with her and tried to keep her conscious. Yeah, awake, alert. Yeah, and then um, the daughter went and so called the eight-year-old kept her awake, and then the eleven-year-old was it? Yeah, went and ran girl. and got help. Yep, and then so now they're getting a um, and a hometown hero award. How cool! Where are efforts. they from? Colorado Springs. See. That's why you should have kids. And also why you should not ride horses. I mean, yeah. I just say this because my older sister loves horses, so I've been around horses a lot. I've been bucked off four times. Really? Wow. Every What's time with that, that? I, I've never been bucked off. Really, I've been on a horse a million times. I've never mean, been bucked off once. Maybe it's like a talent that I have for getting bucked off of horses. But seriously, every time. Maybe you have sharp heels. Looks like you better have something a like that. Actually, little like boy a and girl. scar of a smiley face on my elbow. That's you know, um, that cool. is, I, that's they need cell phones. <laughs> Wait, horses need cell phones? Yes. No, okay. well, kids. Kids. <laughs> do. Parents need. I guess it wouldn't have mattered. The mom Let's was. Say, a horse doesn't deserve a cell phone. All right. I think that's a cool story. So they are going to be our human heroes. What are their names? Do they have names? Are the names Sarah in the story? and Scott Anderson? Cool job. Shout out to Sarah and St- Scott Anderson, horse whisperers. Hero of the day. I don't think Heroes that's quite the what they were doing, but you know. Isn't that cool? Honestly. <laughs> and would you be able to do that when you were 11 years old? I could run and get help. But would you? how hard would it be to be the one that has to stay there? Well, and to see your mom yeah, in that condition and to bad. act, right? Yeah. Do any of I you remember really seeing your parent like take a really big fall? And like when you're like, whoa, no way, that should not happen to people of we their age. We start laughing. That's yeah, so bad. It's not good. It's it's kind of weird it's to so see true. to see your parents who you know they're always like, well, I'm the responsible one, and I'm the this, I'm the that. Yeah. To see them like totally reduced <laughs> to to very fragile humans. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly they're just no different than oh, anyone else. It's, it rocks your world though. Are you but okay, isn't mom? That what happened? to President Gerald Ford uh, fell tripped down the, down stairs, the stairs or something. See that's humanized. Uh, most see, influential the person factor. in the world, boom, down the stairs. And it's funny, we laugh at everyone else, but you don't, when, you're, when it's your parents taking the dive, you don't laugh. Because you're like, I'm going to have to take care of them the rest of my life. <laughs> Go call 911. That's like the last thing I need. <laughs> I'm remembering a story you told me about the trampoline. Yeah. And you taking a pretty big spill. Yeah, that was funny. Let's keep moving, though. <laughs> <laughs> have I told that on the air? Yes. I don't think you've told that. On, have you? Have I? He has. Oh, the yeah. lady that fell off the horse remembers this. 
<laughs> I did. I fell off a. Tra- I didn't fall off a trampoline. I bounced. <laughs> I jumped off our deck onto our trampoline that was below the deck, mm-hmm. and it was like I don't know, ten feet, and it didn't go well. Okay. How old were you? I was thirty something. <laughs> I did it in front of my kids. I had six kids, but I, I, they they like they ta- they taunted me, and they're like, "Dad, jump! Everyone's doing it." Well, that's like you know, <laughs> everyone who's under sixty yeah. pounds is doing yeah. it. Yeah, and I didn't think it was a big deal because like, what's the worst thing that could happen when you jump ten feet down to a trampoline? That, by the way, I never put away in the winter because I like I let all the snow just accumulate on it, which apparently stretches it out. Whatever, <laughs> but I've never I've never had a problem with that. Okay. Till that day, and um, and I jump, and my feet went down. I hit the tramp. It was perfect. Down, 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 down. The tramp was under my feet until we hit the ground. I hit the ground. <laughs> so my feet hit the ground, and the tramp was between the ground and I, and it hurt. So it's as if I just jumped 10 feet off and landed on the ground. <laughs> but I was, I was completely loaded, locked and loaded in a trampoline stretchy device, which then started to contort and shake, as, as, and it redirected me. To about forty-five degrees, and then it shot me out like a rocket. Did they you call nine one one? No, because I was in my head. I'm thinking I can land this. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna land it. How hard could it be Hailing to land? Back this? to your days as a gymnast. Yeah, like when I was a well, I wasn't even really a gymnast, but I watched gymnastics during the Olympics. Ah, uh, that counts. So it was a lot like that. And I was flying and flew off the tramp. My kids were all watching. Like, wow. My dad is so cool. <laughs> Look how cool my dad is as he flies. And I decide I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to land. I'm just going to land on my feet. Okay? That was my idea. Then all of a sudden I realized, well, hold it. My head's kind of flying down and my feet are flying up, so I'm not landing on my feet. I'm not. I'm going I'm, I'm to land on my hands. I'm just going to catch myself on my hands and run it off <laughs> on my hands. Because this was when I was 30-something, but I was thinking I used to I used to do that in high school. I could do push-ups and stuff. And um, so I'm like, I'm just going to run it off on my hands. Then – and my, my intellect in my head was like, you're dead. You're going to die. <laughs> it's this over. Is, you're going to break your neck and you're going to die. And my ego's like, shut it. Yeah. Quiet. You know, Matt, earlier when you're like, what's the worst that could happen? Seriously. You know? Matt breaks his back. Matt breaks his back, breaks his <laughs> neck. But I'm thinking I'm going to – but I really did it for my kids because I wanted to leave a memory. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure Which, they got a memory out of this one. <laughs> I was totally leaving a memory. Be careful what you wish for. Uh-huh. And then, well, lo and behold, I got to this point where I couldn't even run it off on my hands, believe it or not, because my head was like so inverted that my hands couldn't get ahead of my head. Does that make sense? Believe it or not. Yes, I believe it. <laughs> and um, I'm about a foot off the ground, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're not going to be able to run it off on your hands. But my ego says, hey, shh. We got this. We, we got this. <laughs> run it off on your face. <laughs> just use just, your face. Just use skid your it cheek. out on your face. Yeah, skid it out. Use your face and your jaw, but shut your eyes because you don't want to go blind. <laughs> so that's what my ego's saying. And, and then oh, it also said, hey, and when you hit, when you hit the earth... Don't make that sissy grunt noise that you made when your feet hit the earth. Because earlier I had gone, like, I'd been like, because it hurt really bad. <laughs> and a bolt of electricity shot up my back. That's no big deal. That was the good part. And then I ran it off on my face. Shut my eyes. Didn't want to go blind. Did make the sissy grunt noise. Because when you're hitting the earth, you it's make, hard not you to. make the grunt noise. No one's judging you. No. 
By the way, my kids were like in awe, totally. <laughs> and um, and then within a second of me hitting, I was somehow, I think it was my ego again. My ego was like, stand up, stand up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, because I didn't want to look stupid, right? After that, I no. don't know how you could have. So, but... Right, exactly. So I knew, I knew I would look stupid if I just kept still looking catatonic. So instead, I just jumped right up with like blood squirting out my leg. And my kid's like, Dad. And I'm like, shut it. Don't, don't, don't draw attention. Don't talk to Dad. And they're like, Mom's going to kill you. Nobody's telling Mom anything. It was the greatest deal. And I just walked it off. And then for some reason, I needed to take a nap all afternoon. I just slept and slept. It was the saddest day of my life. I, I just felt really sleepy. And then my doctor friends, I think that's a concussion. <laughs> then my wife, beautiful little cutie patootie, came in and wanted to talk about it. She's like, how was, how, how you doing? I'm like, great, what? And she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, fine. What's the big deal? She's like, what's with all the grass on your face? <laughs> it was the longest day of my life. She goes, I heard you fell off the tram. I didn't fall off the tramp. I was shot off the tramp like a rocket. And then I caught it with my face. That's nothing more manly than that. Anyway, I got to go back to bed. <laughs> How did we get on that topic? I have no idea. Oh, thanks, Skyboy. Yeah. Just here. You just, dis- you just distracted me. I'm we sorry. Can turn this back to teamwork. Yeah, that was a teamwork. Well, the surgeons. And the moral of the story <laughs> the surgeons did a great job. As a team, they brought me back to health. Now I'm bionic. We won't even talk about it. Okay. Uh, anybody else got a headline? Legos. Legos, my egos. You know, you always hear those fun stories, you know, freeway shut down because a bunch of eggs fell on the freeway or chickens. I think, or... I think oranges would be hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I'd stop for oranges. Bouncing around all yeah. over the place. That'd be good. Yeah. West Virginia, yummy. a couple weekends back. Legos. Like a truckload of Legos? Yeah, well, the story is actually the story behind the story. It's actually kind of sad. Oh, no. Another but then sad it, 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 it turns out. Does it involve okay. a horse and a mother? This poor kid. No. Okay, good. But uh, 11-year-old kid, because of the economy, mom's been having to move and move again and move again and move again. And that weekend was another move, move. again yeah. weekend. So the kids are depressed. Everyone's depressed. Yeah, this poor 11-year-old kid, his main toy is... Legos. Yeah. It's a tote full of Legos. and Didn't have room in the Durango, so they just strap it on the roof. Oh, no. That's the sad part of the story. You don't mess with the boys' I mean, Legos. Oh, the, the kid was just heartbroken because all of his toys are spilled all over the freeway. And, and they tried to scrape up what they could, but, I mean, they, you know. Uh, broken Legos are as good as no Legos. Yeah. yeah like, they once don't they're work. scratched, they don't That's fit right. together right. Mm-hmm. Give up. Yeah. I totally agree. Okay, good. Well, anyway, the, the TV station that went out to cover it, Liked it because it was good video of Legos sprawled all over, you know, Interstate 79. But the comment board, people started asking questions on the story going, oh, well, what's this about? How did Legos end up? And, and somebody who knew the story came on and started to comment, oh, you know, it's this poor family and they were moving and the Legos fell off. And it's turned into an outpouring of people who want to donate Legos to this poor kid. So the good news is. It sounded like he'll probably end up with more Legos than he originally. <laughs> probably had. that mother's gonna hate that. I think I, most mothers stuck. hate Legos. <laughs> just, I just got they're it. vacuuming them up. <laughs> Whose Legos are these? They wake up in the middle of the night like Bryce always talks about. Oh yeah, you get up. Oh, I'm just gonna go walk around and stepped on a Lego. Oh, Whatever. Man. Don't uh, need it. Not important. Yeah. Get it later. 
You have to get your Legos surgically removed. It ain't pretty. So that's a that's a great story, but sad for the mom. Happy for the boy. And great for the TV station who got excellent B-roll footage of Legos sprawled all over the freeway. You know what? That's dangerous because that attracts kids. So a bunch of kids go to the freeway and start playing with the Legos. There are Legos on the freeway. It's not good. Kids. It's kids. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like the ice cream truck. They just run. Anyway, who's got another story anymore? Merit, I have a story. Wrap it up. Bring it home for us. Okay, so in MIT and their robotics team, they're trying to teach robots how to be better team players with humans. And they discovered that if they switched roles with the robots and did what the robots were supposed to do and showed them how to do it, then the robots would be completely synchronized with the humans the next time they tried it. it really? Out. Yeah. So these are learning robots? They're learning robots. The end is near. Learning how to help you. It sounds like a movie. Always so morbid. Hey, that's real life. That, Just saying. That freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> that well, is we're, we're getting from the story as robots. If we say, hey, this is this human thing we do, show them. They're like, yep, got it. Cool. What's next? Oh, What's next? taking over the world. Uh, can you show me how to drive? That's scary. You think about all those people you see in the news who accidentally drive their car into the mini mart at the gas station. You say that like once or twice a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. now the robots are going to start doing yeah, it. Yeah, they'll do it too. Just, you yeah. know, that's interesting. So we're teaching robots, and they're learning, and they're just actually adapting to be better teams. You know what would be better? Then you don't have to fear like losing your job, is we just take them to dinner. That's how we do team here. Remember, we went that's to dinner. True. Except me. We went yeah. with everybody. You didn't take me. Everybody was great. <laughs> It was hey. wonderful. I got a picture on my phone. And you weren't dinner. here. Yes. It looks great. You a picture of the it was. It was in December. You weren't with us. Yeah. yeah. December. So we I were, think I was here, and well, you guys didn't invite me. We were talking about you. What the heck? No, we took. We took. You were. We were going to bring you to the next one. Team player. Uh-huh. Let's see if I ever bring a good news story again. The next one's going to be about. We only had six trampolines or six coupons. <laughs> so we only had six coupons to bring everybody, and we didn't oh want to bring Skyboy because he always wears that leotard thing. Oh come on. You owe me a dinner. I know. I'll take you to dinner for okay. real. I really will. Okay. I owe you some food from the vending machine. Yeah, I too. bought you like a bunch of yeah. Doritos and That's Oreos. right. We forgot Skylar, didn't we? Yeah. It's hard no. to remember that. But I, just, well, no. I didn't even think about it till just now. No, he, he was in... Um, he he was back home because it was That's besides Christmas the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get my dinner. It, you know? Well, he had that <laughs> trial. He had to get to his, his court hearing. Uh, <laughs> um, so we're going to take a break, but we're talking teamwork when we come back. Teamwork... You feel like you're a very good team member. And what are the keys to team? Is is a team just a bunch of average people that work well together? Or does it work better if you're a bunch of incredible people that learn to work well together? Mm-hmm. We'll be back with a little rant from our own Bryce Tobin right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. What do you tell your dry cleaner when you bring them your solar-powered clothing? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The sun gives away for free between 3 and 6 kilowatt hours per day per square meter. That's what makes solar power so tempting and what drives people to keep inventing and perfecting ways to harness that free energy. But solar cells are hard and brittle and expensive. What if we could make a solar power fabric? University of Maryland researchers thought of a novel way to make that happen. 
they altered the formula for making optical fibers and created an optical fiber that is also photovoltaic, solar energy collecting fiber optics. Being a flexible fiber, these solar collectors could be woven into flexible cloth. A suit made of that cloth could gather enough juice to power all the modern tech toys an average person may carry. Such fibers are also able to detect laser radiation, so solar clothing might also link to your personal cell phone using power and data picked up by your coat. A soldier wearing it could be warned of a target laser shining on him, even if it wasn't visible. If you have grant money, they're still working on getting those shoes to match. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For those BYU radio programs you may have missed or even just want to hear again, subscribe to BYU Radio on YouTube. There you can find archived shows from programs like The Morning Show. Just search BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Get your business in the game and sponsor Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Little uh, song there from the Teletubbies. <laughs> what song was that? No, that's called "Working Together" by um, Teletubbies. Gonzalez. The Wiggles. No, I'm kidding. The Wiggles <laughs> by Al Green. By Al, I, I really that I like this the theme "Working Together" because that's the topic of the show. Yep, there you and go. And who worked better together than the Teletubbies? Quite honestly, well, I'll tell you who did: Bryce Leroy Tobin, BLT for short. Bryce, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Matt. I know you love teamwork. Just as much as I love L's for my middle name. Yes, you do. You keep giving me that are not accurate. Well, we're going to keep giving them until you give us the real one. The okay. best part is one of these days you'll find uh, his driver's license, and it probably does have an L for the middle name. Is it L, though? No. Okay, well, he'll never not. own it because, you know, BLT. So now, Brycey, you've been on plenty of teams. Now, I'm sh- you were just saying just today that this is the best team you've ever been on. Ever in ever. Right. And uh, you, I know, because you've seen a lot of teams, you have a rant that you've put together to just kind of talk about the power of teams. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I think the idea we have about teams is all wrong. Hear all these sayings about teams, many hands make light work, needing another set of eyes. None of us is as smart as all of us. A single leaf working alone provides no shade. But what if you can lift things just fine on your own? What if you got a good look at it the first time? What if you are, in fact, the smartest person in the room? And if we're talking about leaves, have you ever seen those leaves on some tropical palms? You can get plenty of shade from one single leaf. Why? Because that leaf is an overachiever. So do people like this really need a team? But let's back up a little bit. Why do we form teams? It's to tackle something that one person can't handle alone, right? Well, at least that's what we say. Maybe it's even what we think. But how often do we form teams just to compensate? I mean, we've all got shortcomings. Not all of us are like those big tropical leaves in every aspect of our lives. So we form teams thinking this guy is good at A, but bad at B. But this other guy is bad at A, but really good at B. 
they'd make the perfect team. Would they, though? If you have to make a team, shouldn't you find two people who have inadequacies irrelevant to the work but are good at both A and B? Call me crazy, but that sounds like the perfect team if the goal is to tackle a problem. But if the goal is to cover up for individual inadequacies, then feel free to make a team that compensates for each other. But I don't think that's a very worthy goal. Taken to the extreme, a team that's held together by dependency is nothing more than a bureaucracy. But the best teams, the ones who get the job done, are made of people who don't need teams. They can overachieve on their own. You get these better results when the task at hand is what requires a team, not when the team is what needs the team. An effective team is interdependent, but can be independent. The team should be a springboard to completion, innovation, victory. The team is not a suit of armor that keeps us safe from things that we know we're vulnerable to. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Wow, Bryce, that is uh, that's your best that's your best bit. What are we calling those? Your best rant ever. Well, we call that the brand. The brand. The brand of her. Oh, that's that's that was a good rant. Why? Thank you. Seriously. I've I've been on enough bad teams. So um, your your point is sometimes we're on a team with just a bunch of people hiding on the team. And nobody notices because we're all on a team together. Right? It just, I kind of think of it like a puzzle. Like a puzzle is made up of pieces and they all work together to make a picture. Well, what if you just had a picture? Why do we need puzzle pieces? Like, why? It's why? Just if one of us is that just work. a really big picture, we don't need right. a puzzle. Why cut it into pieces? Unless if you're so good and then you get a bunch of other people that are so effective and good at what they do that we could all take this to a level we've never taken it before. Exactly. Like there's there's physical things like one person can't be in two places at once. Okay, yeah. so there's that's something everyone's inadequate in. So that's what a team can fulfill. Right. Is you can have someone else who can be somewhere that I am not right now. Yeah. But when the, but I have to know you're as you're strong and independent when you go. When you go for me I need you to know you're good enough to handle your own. Exactly. Right? Otherwise, if you're not good enough to handle your own, I probably won't send you. Yeah, what's why? Then we don't have the team anyway. Exactly. Right? So then we're kind of just compensating for each other. Ooh, Bryce, you're on to something. I hope so. I've had enough bad teams. If I can change the world in terms of teams, that will be, you know, I can die happy. Is that your goal in life? No, but I guess it is now. That's why you're on our team. I am trying to make sure that this team is awesome, okay? We would be nowhere without your rants. Besides, and who would we laugh at when you're gone? That's, well, I do what I can. But see, you're not supposed to do that on a team. See? Uh. Ah! Anyway, good stuff. We're going to be talking more about this team idea. I think Bryce has opened up a seriously interesting discussion about why we have teams, the impact of teams. And teams, I think a lot of times we think it's just something we do in sports or it's something we do at work. But do you consider your family a team? Do you consider your personal life with your friends a team? That's what we're getting into. Do you know how to be a good team member? Coming up on the show later today, uh, in actually just a few minutes, is our great guest, Marion Chamberlain. And she's the founder and CEO of the Chamberlain Leadership, uh, Chamberlain Leadership. And she's going to teach us about teams, how you build them, how you create them, how you make it all come together. We're going to do that right after this break on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On the Julie Hanks Show, you can get advice on relationships, life balance, emotional health, 
and a whole lot more. And the best part is you get to help pick the topics. You can talk to Julie during the show by calling 855-CHAT-BYU or email Julie anytime, julie at juliehanks.com. So send us your question and catch the show Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The New York City soda ban has been struck down by the state's Supreme Court just a day before it was set to go into effect. City officials have already vowed to appeal the decision. Former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick was convicted of a wide array of corruption charges today. Prosecutors successfully showed during the five-month trial that Kilpatrick used his position for personal profit. Scandal within a scandal at Harvard. University officials are apologizing today for searching through administrators' email accounts in an attempt to discover how information about a cheating scandal leaked to the media. Recently confirmed Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel's first trip to Afghanistan was wrought with tough exchanges, pushing talks far off script. Afghan President Hamid Karzai accused the U.S. of colluding with the Taliban. Hagel firmly disputed that charge. In world news, it's been two years since the massive earthquake and tsunami that killed 16,000 and displaced over 160,000 in Japan. Memorial services were held around the country today. In yet another discomforting move, North Korean authorities nullified the 1953 armistice, which effectively ended active combat in the Korean War. Combined South Korean and U.S. military forces have been conducting drills. Thanks to British researchers, patients developing Alzheimer's could be diagnosed as much as decades earlier, allowing for significantly more effective treatments of the degenerative disease. And at the box office, Oz the Great and the Powerful took a commanding lead with moviegoers, raking in over $150 million on its opening weekend. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Come together. Welcome back, everybody. A little Beatles for you. Come together right now. I like the Beatles. You know what? They were a good team. Yes, they were. And then Yoko got involved and started messing with people. Well, didn't uh, Ringo eventually go solo? They no. all did, didn't no. they? I don't know. Did he? Okay. Yeah, well, all of them did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there comes a time where you got to go on your way. I mean, I've, I remember hearing about Paul McCartney doing solo stuff, but I just was kind of joking because I'd never heard of Ringo going solo. But th- there's That's a great cool, example, though. back to Bryce's point, that, you know, the Beatles all could hold their own, right? So they could go on their own. If you can't, you know, what if, what if like, two of the four of them had just been way off? They wouldn't be the Beatles. They'd just be the beat. They'd be the monkeys. <laughs> They'd be the monkeys. <laughs> that sounds bad. You're too young to make monkey jokes. I just, all I know is when I was growing up, my brother for a short time became a monkeys fan, even though he didn't know. Well, I love the monkeys. Who they were. And they're, yeah, I didn't like You gotta them. love They weren't that good. Well, we're talking teams, if you didn't know that. We, we also are talking um, bands of the 60s, I guess, and teams. Um, but... We are going to get into teams, and we've got our great guest. Marion Chamberlain is joining us. She is the founder and CEO of Chamberlain Leadership, 
and she's been focused on bringing social consciousness to organizations to help people achieve sustainable business performance. That's been her goal. She's a speaker. She's a strategist. She helps uh, organizations and teams, executives build and cultivate uh, change and um, and better teamwork in their organizations. So we so appreciate Marion being with us. Marion, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to being on your show. It's uh, This team thing's a big deal, isn't it? I mean, we all kind of get it, I think, generally. You know, we see basketball teams. We've, we all know the Miami Heat, and they put, they put it all together. They got three really good players, a bunch of other surrounding great players, and boom, all of a sudden they win a national championship. But I don't think we always get how we bring it into our, our real lives. Is that, I mean, do you notice that? I do, but when you look at it, it's really not such a new concept. Yep, no. we've had it for sports teams, but when you look at it traditionally, I mean, a family is a team, right? Yep. When you look at the way people have come together in the old communities, how people used to support one another, right. I just think we've placed um, a different value on it today. And if I have to look at a, a quote from Helen Keller, it's, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Mm. Um, so we've really assigned a different value to teams, um, and we've traditionally thought them to be associated with sports teams. Yeah. And um, we're thinking that, you know, they were introduced through the business school concept, you know, 20 yeah. to 30 years. But it's really when you look at today the changes in society, the changes in the global economy, changes that are going on in organizations, be it, you know, the corporate world, not-for-profit, community organizations, even down to the personal level with the homeowners associations or church membership, um, if you really want to implement and, and drive innovation, you really need a team. Yeah. It's sort of like Helen Keller said, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. It's interesting because it seems like the team idea doesn't get as much play. I mean, we're a country that's very into people being independent, right? And Absolutely. the individual. And we've even declared our independence. And so we don't need anything. But in in, re, in reality, you like you just listed, everything you just listed, family, church, community, um, friends, neighborhoods, all of these things, it's all about community and team. And you can be as individual as you'd like, but you're not doing this by yourself. And you're talking about the Founding Fathers. So right. when you look at it, they originally were a team, right? Yeah. The way they came together. Exactly. So the team concept has been around. And I think we associate with this country um, the individual pursuit of goals. But even that individual pursuit is backed up by support system. And maybe we've not put the term um, team around it. Right. But when you look at it, every person who has achieved great success, be it in his or her personal life or business life, there's always been a support mechanism. And I think today we just reframe it, looking at it more as, you know, the team. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, it's uh, it really is a big deal. In fact, one of the ideas, um, this isn't just natural even to us. Somebody just brought up in our studio this idea that You've even got animals pack that work in packs, right? They work in teams. Mm-hmm. They kind of cut off all of the exit routes. All of a sudden, no one's getting away from us today. We're going to get, as a team, we're going to be able to eat together. You've got prides of lions. You've got herds. You've got all of these things. I mean, this is kind of a universal principle of nature, really. I agree with you. So if you look at, you know, the way people have evolved and, you know, evolution, it's really through teams or packs or groups 
that evolution's really sped up and taken place. So I think it's within our nature. It's just it's also just within this country. If I'm looking specifically, we're talking about the U.S. There's um, people came here with sort of like a pursuit of trying to break out of. Um, maybe the hierarchy or dictatorship. So I think that's what drives a lot of times the individual pursuit. But right. by our very nature, we, we look for social cohesiveness and a collective spirit. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it seems like because it's so natural, um, it seems like we would just naturally almost excel at it or be good at it or or even value it to a higher degree than we do today. Why do you think we, we aren't – it's not as high on a pedestal? Well, I I think we've personally created a business model, maybe, you know, when you look at the 20th century. So it was really based upon somebody who, as you look at the Henry Fords, et cetera, who went out there and they were innovative and they were the leaders. And then you sort of had the followers. So you look at that business model that was created that and which helped the U.S. really become a leader out in the world. So we really placed a different value on a leader and followers. However, with the way things have changed in the world, that model really doesn't apply so much. However, we're still stuck in that old way of being and thinking. So it's sort of like, you know, retraining your muscles to actually go back to what your nature looks like versus, you know, um, the way we've established the system and the process and trying to break out of that mold. Yeah, I mean, and it seems like now more almost than ever, the the concept of team seems even more relevant in this knowledge era and this information age you know where none of us can actually possess all the information so the ability to hold it together as a team seems even more valuable today than i mean i guess it was always valuable years ago for your physical safety but now just i mean even to protect your your resources as an organization or to be able to learn what's going on in the community and know what's going on, being networked in the community is essential. And I think it's also the speed of change, right? So things, you know, especially if you look at businesses today, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to compete in a, in a different world. So change and innovation and invention has to occur a lot quicker than it used to. So in order for you to be able to meet that demand out there, you really need to bring people together cohesively um, into that think tank to get people to create products or services that can come out on the market a lot quicker. Oh yeah. Um, well, and, then, and 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 to get the, even to even maybe pick the right products to bring out, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you know, like if if you're looking at what what's the need out there, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, as I say, build it, you know, and and people will come. Well, that's not really the case. You really need to understand. So your customer, in a way, becomes your team. They yeah. tell you what they're looking for. Um, so it, it's really, you know, I just don't think, you know, the Lone Ranger gets as much done today as he or she might have um, 50 years ago. Yeah. It, it, people value it much differently. So when you think about team, I mean, because it really, it's a complex idea. We just kind of think of it's like this aggregate of humanity, right? This grouping mm-hmm. of people. But... Um, what what really is it? And I know later in the show we're going to break it down for some ways that you can, you know, improve and apply teamwork in your workplace and also in your personal life. But what are the kind of the the components of team? What what's it? What really are the keys overall? Well, I, I think when you look at successful teams, um, you really have uh, you know leadership. You do so you still have somebody who's there at the leadership. 
But successful teams are people who bring different skills to the table. Right. So not only in the business, but also, you know, we're talking about, you know, in your personal life. Yeah. So a really successful team is, you know, as they say about a good manager who never hires uh, him or herself, yeah. you know, they, you look at bringing different strengths and skills to the table. Uh, a team is somebody that also can work together to bring, you know, outcomes. Um, they are, you know, individuals who like to collaborate together, who value knowledge exchange. Um, and then, you know, you have a mix of people who are the idea people, but then you, and then you also have the doers. Um, so that's really important, too, with a team, um, that people that come up with can brainstorm and then also can implement. Because, you know, what good is a team if you don't have people who can actually implement what you're looking at? Totally. Um, and, and it's people that understand issues that are going on. And, you know, for example, it could be if you're, you have a community organization or your church and there's possible funding impacts or um, community issues that need to be addressed. So that's also something that needs to come to the table of, you know, knowledge and um, willingness to learn. I, I, and so you, so you become almost a, a learning team, a learning oh, organization. I, so you're like this living, breathing entity. Oh, absolutely, because, you know, not one person can't house all the knowledge mm-hmm. or the expertise, so you bring everybody together to actually bring that exchange. It's, it's you know, it's, it's almost like a bartering going on within a team. This person knows this, and this person knows, and then the other person knows that. So you, you just bring it to ca- together, and you come up with wonderful concepts and skills and, and, you know, whatever the outcomes might be based upon that. Yeah, I love that. It's, it, uh, I mean, think of how important that is on your family in your family if as a family we all know how to do laundry weird Mm -hmm. or as a family (laughs) we all know how to make dinner or as a family we all participate in the making of the dinner and so we actually can learn and grow and change and then if heaven forbid mom gets sick we can still make dinner and we don't all have to just fast and starve for a couple days (laughs) my wife's sitting at home like oh yeah right yeah. What is your contribution? Yeah, when was the last time you – no. So, I mean, it's true, though. Huh? I mean, team is the idea that we're all independent enough to do it, yet we all bring our own little specialties, our own different skills. Powerful. Absolutely. And, and the willingness. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the important yeah, part. Yeah, like that spirit to be, to, be a, to be a part of it, huh? Yes, because, you know, a lot of times and, – and that's why I said when you put together your team, bring balancing strengths and, and, and skill set um, – and, you know, a lot of times you, you, I found in the corporate world, and you, you might even find this within a church organization, somebody's been assigned to a team, right? Yeah. Because maybe they have it in their goals and objectives. Yeah. And is that then, that person then a valuable team contributor? So that, that's, that's why I said when you look at a successful team, the, the willingness to come to the table has to be, is really, really important because, I mean, when, when you look at it from the school, I remember back in my MBA days, I'd cringe when I got assigned to certain teams because you knew you had a certain player on a team who just wasn't going to pull his or her load. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an important aspect, and that's sometimes why you were, we were talking about earlier, like why do people not always embrace the team concept? It, because maybe they have had a bad experience in some aspect where they've had somebody who's assigned to a team who necessarily isn't that uh, eager to participate and contribute. So that, that might have, you know, left a bad taste in somebody's mouth. Oh, absolutely. Well. Yeah, and then you feel like you're, you're pulling more of the load and, mm-hmm. and doing it yourself. In fact, ironically, last night I went to parent-teacher conferences, 
And one of my children hadn't turned in. A, they had got a low score on an assignment. We found out that it was a group assignment, and the entire group had gotten the low score. But the teacher's oh. like, you can, they can bring it up, and um, they, all they have to do is do some extra credit. And I go, I asked if the whole group does the extra credit, and she's like, well, really, honestly, all it would take is at least one person on the team to do the extra credit. So I'm like, I'm like, one person on the team can do the extra credit, and everyone on the team gets it. And she's like, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> wow, okay, son, so do the extra credit. And then he said exactly what you're saying. Well, that's not fair. Why should I do the extra credit if no one else is doing the extra credit? And I'm like, do you like the grade you've currently got or do you want? And that's then literally what she says. I go, I actually asked the teacher, why do you kind of leave it so that one person has to carry the team sometimes? And she says, well, that's how teams work sometimes. And I'm like, good point. Good point. So we may as well be teaching our kids right now that sometimes it's not fair. It's just sometimes it's teamwork. Just ask. I, I actually turned to my son and said, just ask your mother. Your no, mom's I, I, carrying that unfair load. You're, but you're absolutely right because you know a lot of times when you're looking, when you're, especially when you're actually trying to rally the cause yourself, um, especially you know be it within maybe your church organization or within your corporate environment, when you have such a passion for the end result, and sometimes more does fall on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, with it being a team player, why is that important? There is, you know, with the emotions attached to your team as well. So I think you raise a really good point where you know the fairness aspect, but then you know what's the good old saying? You got to take one for the team. Yeah. So that's where you got to balance that out as well. Well, and the the irony is of the team. If my son steps up and does the extra credit, um, no one else on the team may learn it. They all may mm-hmm. benefit from it. But he's the one that has it. He now possesses it because he did it, which will help him on the next team and will help him lead the next team and will help him choose his teams more wisely. Absolutely. And that experience also helps you when, as you just, you know, we were talking about, so you use it in, in, you know, in, in your business or your community life. So the, the lesson or the experience you've had from this event I'll help you with your next team and how you structure it and, yeah. and expectations that you might lay out for those having to serve on the team. Exactly. It's called learning, huh, Marion? Oh, absolutely. I we, love that word. <laughs> I know. We should be doing a lot more of it. Well, let's take a break, Marion, and then let's uh, we'll come back. And when we come back, we're going to get into kind of how you apply teams in the workplace. Because one of my issues is, you know, we've got all these generations, Gen X, mm-hmm. Gen Y, All these different groups of people trying to converge in a business, and we're supposed Mm -hmm. to make it work. We're going to pick your brain on that one. We're talking to Marion Chamberlain from the Chamberlain, uh, CEO of the Chamberlain Leadership Group, and uh, we'll be back with her right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody's got a story about a ride-sharing experience, but we're pretty sure we have your story topped this time. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. After about two years, a tiny breakthrough satellite is retiring, but it's led the way to making orbital science more practical and affordable than ever before. It's called FastSat, and it earned that name in several ways. FastSat was built in record time, from off-the-shelf parts, to prove how affordable and capable you could make a satellite. Construction was inspired by a schedule change in launch operations. 
Due to a cancellation, there was room on board an upcoming Defense Agency rocket mission to carry along to orbit a small, separate payload. But could NASA's Marshall Center and the DOD design and build a brand new 400-pound satellite in just 14 months? FastSat lifted off from Kodiak, Alaska in 2010 inside a special dispenser collar that was part of the booster rocket. This collar can hold and eject six mini-sats like FastSat, letting them hitchhike to orbit. FastSat held six experiments, including a tiny nanosat that was launched from FastSat to test solar sail designs. Marshall's FastSat concept inspires the CubeSats of today, showing how to explore bigger by going smaller. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Marcus Smith will warm up your brain with a host of hot topics, and the discussions are so refreshing, it'll be better than orange sunshine. Whether it's about a banana mobile, Bigfoot, politics, or the environment, Marcus makes all of it fun and engaging. Listen to The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, weekdays at 9 Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. On Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio, talk about good. Welcome back, my friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about teams, building a team, not just a team, you know, at work, not just being on a team in some sporting event, but even teams at home, the key to teams. And we're talking with Marion Chamberlain, founder and CEO of Chamberlain Leadership. And she has been coaching business performance uh, with executives and teams across the country. She is from Winslow, New Jersey. She's married has a bunch of hobbies, enjoys uh, reading and listening to music and traveling, and apparently building teams. So, Marion, welcome back to the to the team. Why, thank you. I'm happy to be back. It uh, it really is. It, it's such a universal idea. We've kind of been born into teams. We've we've seen it in nature. We see it all over, and yet we struggle with it. And it, let's kind of go to the workplace, right? Because we walk into these workplaces, and there are a lot of differences that we're trying to bring together in our work, right? Absolutely. That has potential for good synergy and good teams. It also has potential potential for disaster. It sure does. I mean, actually what you're covering is one of my favorite topics because I find that if when you're able to really excel in managing and leading the different generations, you have um, teams that just take performance to the max. Yeah. Um, and I, I think when we look at today, as you were pointing out, you got the baby boomers, you got the Gen X, you got Gen Y. Um, and we, what we see a lot of times in the workplace is, you know, and I'm just generalizing here, this isn't obviously yeah. applied to everybody, but you might have a baby boomer who says, well, I've been down that road and I've had my learning lesson. Um, that person now needs to learn on his or her own. And you got the Gen X sort of like squished there in the middle sort of trying to, you know, still got a little bit the baby boomer mentality, but then yeah. it's also been influenced by the Gen Ys. And the Gen Ys, you know, the stereotypical is they think they don't need to learn, and they've, um, you know, they come into the workplace, when, when's my next raise and when's my next um, promotion? Hmm. So that's, I'm just stereotyping. That here. just sounded like my whole family right there. That You just, <laughs> you just described Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, that's oh good. I love food, so you didn't, you didn't mention the food aspect. Yeah, of that's right. No, that's why we eat, so no one has to talk. 
Um, so that's when you, that is looking at, and I found that actually that isn't always the case, or mostly isn't the case. When you ha- have an organization that brings everybody um, to the table and, and is really able to maximize the skill set of each generation employee, um, and really what it does take is for whoever is assigned as a team leader, so be it the baby boomer, the Gen X, the uh, millennial, to really get to know his or her team participants, to really understand the um, the abilities that that person brings to the table. And I've also found, you know, especially with the Gen X, the Gen Ys, who look to the baby boomer to, you know, share that knowledge and and really provide uh, input that they value their experience and, and how it can help benefit them. But then the baby boomer is willing to see, you know, what the Gen X and the Gen Y person brings to the table, be it around technology, be it around um, new materials that are being discussed out there in the industry, and not getting so caught up in the personality differences. That's right. really important part, too, when you're leading different generations. Not to necessarily go in with preconceived notions about, you know, the, the um, stereotypes, as I was just pointing out. Um, you know, not getting caught up in personality differences based upon what we think the stereotype is. And just looking at that person based upon what he or she brings to the table and how she, he or she is willing to meet those goals that are being established for a team. I, I can tell you, I've, I've had an employee, he's a millennial or Gen Y, and, you know, he sort of defies what you talk about, you know, showing up um, late or late, yeah. not, wor- not working late and making his life the priority. It's really not always the case. So that's yeah. why I always like to say stay away from stereotypes when right. you're looking to lead the different generations. And, and don't make personality associations. So if that person reacts in a certain way, don't assign it necessarily right away to because he or she is from a certain generation. Yeah. Um, well, and that's probably that's true, really too, important. huh, with everything like um, race, with gender, with Absolutely. age. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, with with experience, with degrees or education. I mean, it really because the minute you do that, huh, you're you're killing your ability to leverage all the parts of the team because you don't even know what the parts are. You, you hit the nail on the head. Being open minded towards that person mm. and and what he or she brings to the table, or understanding the value that they have based upon, as you were just talking about, their education. Their culture—that's really important too. You know, what are they? What, how? What is their cultural understanding? Yeah. Um, it, it's just really important, and I, I, that's what I think we've seen happen in the workplace. Is because there's so many articles out there, and you know, so many experts who classify individuals in the workplace based upon the generation that they're assigned yeah. to. So we just automatically have that expectation before we really get to know that person or see her perform in the workplace. Right. It's, it's sort of we haven't given that person the opportunity. And I think that's what we, that the mistake that we all make is the associations that we assign based upon the generation. And it feels and, so convenient for us, right? Because we just go grab for the, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, he's been here 30 years. Yeah, he's an old-timer. The oh, old-timers exactly. are never going to change, so whatever. Let's just not change. I mean, it's, or, or, or it's he, so easy, right? Oh yeah! Oh, they they hold their knowledge to their chest because that means job security. That's, right. that's I hear that a lot from Gen X and Gen Y about baby boomers. 
So again, it's it's not just baby boomers making associations, you know, for right. or, you know, X and Y. It, it goes the other way as well. So it's just really important that when you um, establish a team, that you know, I think the the team leader really needs to understand what being you know who everybody is, but also making sure that they set clear expectations about you know personality differences and um, if things might get heated about certain topics, mm-hmm. if they set clear expectations. I heard somebody say the other day, in this organization, we attack problems, we don't attack people. Yeah, So that's, that's really important when, you know, with the generations and, and when you have teams come together. Love. I mean, and that keeps, well, it keeps everything open, people still sharing. And then if you treat me like an individual instead of treating me like a classification or mm-hmm. something you think you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. trust you more because I know you know me and I know you know what I can do and what I can't do. So you almost inherently have more trust from me, which is going to strengthen that team, isn't it? Absolutely. I love how you brought in trust because that, that's a really important too is like don't label me. Just trust me. Yeah, no, know, like, and, and know what I can do because you've actually gotten into me enough to know what I deliver. Oh, exactly. And, and that's important, too. When you're forming a team, get to know who's on your team. Um, you know, get to know them individually um, versus just, you know, looking at the, the titles that's been assigned to that individual. Yeah. That's another important factor, too, is when you're, you're leading the different generations. Get to know the person um, and, and understand what makes hurt him tick you know what what really motivates him to be part of your team and and just contribute that that's really important that's such a big deal in hiring isn't it Mm -hmm. and i i love the saying i saw um i was at one of the company founders i think dermatologica she said she always hires for the culture not for the resume that's great so is that person going to fill fit in within your organization based upon the corporate culture that's already established yeah that is that's huge because normally when you hand me your resume, that's just all of those little notches that I can just now categorize you in 10 different ways. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a bunch of great conversations we probably should be having to know if you'd even fit into our culture. Absolutely. And I think, and you know what, we see a lot of times on the resumes, that the generic team player, you know, somewhere up there in the objectives, right? right. So everybody's understood that organizations value team players, so they, they have it in there somewhere. Yep. Um, but when you're interviewing that person, as you were talking about like with the resume and hiring, I think that really gives you a feel for, is that person going to be a team player? And you look at the successful organizations like Southwest, where they actually have, you know, group interviews yep. of, you know, peers that are interviewing that person to see if he or she fits in within the culture. It's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? And, th- and then we can start creating traditions of hiring that are more team. I mean, really, that's how you grow it. You learn. You hand it down. Good team members leave your team and go start other teams, and you mm-hmm. you start creating this culture of of team. It's powerful, and wow. you also have to let go of members that maybe don't belong on the team and yeah. are bringing the team down. That's right. So that's another skill too. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and you got to know how to select those out. Marion, let's take a break. We're talking to Marion Chamberlain about building teams. When we come back. We're going to get into uh, building a team in your personal life, how you uh, collaborate and how you create better collaboration on the PTA or the HOA. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. If you had the chance to travel the globe every week, where would you go? Join Eric with special guest Jeff Palmer as they explore the wonders of Hong Kong. If you like something in right. Cantonese, you say ho sick. Is ho means very or, or good, and sick means uh, to eat. So wow. good to eat. Oh, good yeah, to eat. Yeah, that, that would Tastes be confusing. Good. Would you oh, like that? sick. Oh, sick. <laughs> Catch this new episode of Traveling with Eric Dowdle this Monday at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Japan is marking the second anniversary of the horrific earthquake and tsunami which killed over 16,000 people and caused the worst nuclear reactor meltdown since Chernobyl today. As tensions rise on the Korean border, North Korea has taken another worrying step towards renewed combat. Today, leaders announced they were nullifying the 1953 Armistice Treaty, which effectively ended the Korean War. Thanks to British researchers, patients developing Alzheimer's could be diagnosed as much as decades earlier, allowing for significantly effective treatments of the degenerative disease. Here in the U.S., the New York City plan to ban large sugary sodas from restaurants, movie theaters, and other venues in the city has been overturned by the state's Supreme Court just a day before the policy was set to go into effect. Former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick was convicted of a wide array of corruption charges today. Prosecutors successfully showed during the five-month trial that Kilpatrick used his political position for personal profit. Scandal within a scandal at Harvard. University officials are apologizing today for searching through administrators' email accounts in an attempt to discover how information about a cheating scandal leaked to the media. Recently confirmed Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel's first trip to Afghanistan was wrought with tough exchanges pushing the talks far off script. Afghan President Hamid Karzai accused the U.S. of colluding with the Taliban. Hagel firmly disputed that charge. And at the box office, Oz, the Great and the Powerful, took a commanding lead with moviegoers, raking in over $150 million on its opening weekend. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little Beatles. I get by with a little help from my friends. I get by with a lot of help from my friends. One of my friends on the phone, Marion Chamberlain, is joining us. Marion is the founder and CEO of Chamberlain Leadership. She is trying to change the world one team at a time. She's a, a coach. She coaches organizations, executives, team leaders on how to you know, create an energy of change, a culture of change. She's out of uh, Winslow, New, uh, New Jersey, has a husband, is, enjoys reading, and she's willing to give us some time. So, Marion, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. I'm you've really been, enjoying being on your show. You bet. And you've been very insightful. And this team idea, you know, the corporate side seems to get a lot of play in our world, as we've talked about. So is the kind of the sporting side. But team is just as important at home, isn't it? Oh, I, I'd even say more so nowadays, sort of as you were pointing out earlier with, you know, within your own relationship with balancing, because you have people, you know, most probably might, maybe both partners are working and 
um, they need family support or because of the organizations that they're involved in, be it through their homeowners association, PTAs, as you were mentioning earlier. Um, You know, a lot of us have, you know, a volunteer organization that we support or a community cause. So it's, you know, those same principles we were, we've been talking about um, with regards to the corporation, they really apply towards um, your personal life as well. I mean, that's, you know, I don't think we need to reestablish why collaboration is important because I think they apply the same in your personal life. But it, it's just a lot of times we don't look at it that same way because, you know, we're so used to it from the business life yeah. that we get maybe compensated based upon that or that um, that's the, what's just expected of us. And we don't necessarily put a lot of thought process into it as we look at it from our own personal life. Mm-hmm. The, um, in fact, the, the minute you're, you're sitting there talking about that, I think of there's a statistic that basically says 90 percent of the world marries. Mm. Isn't that weird? And that's actually shrinking now. Now it's probably down to 80 percent. These new these young bucks, these Gen Wires. But the, uh, <laughs> now those, we're stereotyping. Yeah, I just like to throw that out. Um, the, but the the forever it was ninety percent of the world would actually marry, which is telling us there's something about being on a team mm-hmm. that creates some safety and and that you know from that then comes the family and comes all these other things, and, and then this is honestly too where we teach our family and everyone else about teams. So when you're at home and you're trying to create a team environment and a, and a good spirit about it. You're also teaching your kids, you know, probably how to be a better employee, a better team member throughout life. You are. So it's exactly what you, as you were talking about with your son, the early learning yeah. lesson he's now having through his, his project, that exact learning is going to carry him forward as he goes on, um, you know, higher ed, as he moves into the corporate world, those exact principles that he's, you know, pulling into his uh genes now are going to be able to carry him forward. And that's why I think it is so important that people understand that, you know, what the example that they're setting for their children or their family members and how they approach partnership is exactly what's going to influence the, you know, the future employee. So that's, I love how you were sharing that situation with your son earlier, because that's really a key lesson for people to understand. It it is. And it seems, um, it, it, it seems like those lessons in a weird way, they're, they're sometimes a lot more painful than the work ones. You know, the work ones we can just kind of complain about and walk away. And, you know, we may know that someone won't be on our team eventually. Things mm-hmm. change. But at home, what do you do? Or if, you know, if, if I had a client come in today and the spouse says, it's the weirdest thing, but we have moved to four different homes. And every home we've ever been in, my husband has gotten in a fight that has lasted a long time with one of our neighbors at each home. And I, th- I sat there and I thought, interesting. Hmm. And that's funny that you're pointing that out because I find it so often that w- how we apply the tra- team principle at work, we totally leave it at the doorstep once we start walking our own home. Yeah, right? what's so with all that? those good learning lessons that we've had, you know, how yeah. to be a good team player, once we come into our own home and our own family, boom, we abandon it. So it's like the self-interest comes out. Um, if we're part of a PTA or um, a, a HOA, political interests come out, all that nasty little stuff that we never bring into the workplace comes out in our personal life. So I think, you know, what would apply is if we sort of did the same thing that we do in the corporate world, where we're getting to learn to get to know our team players, where we're understanding his or her strengths. Um, Important thing, too, in our own personal life is 
um, it, which also applies to the boardroom, is never go on the attack, right, right? in front of everybody, um, or you know the finger, you know, attack the problem, not the person. I yeah. mean, if we could apply that half the times just in our relationships at home. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously the relationship expert, so you know what I'm talking about. It's just those same principles that we're able to apply in the business world about, you know, collaborating and um, understanding the, the person that they're working with in the team. If we could apply that at home, I think we'd be oh, so much better off. Huge. And it's interesting, too, because, like, at the workplace, um, it seems like maybe we're already tempered. We're already kind of – there's already some breaks put on us because if I freak out and go all crazy on everybody – I'll probably lose my job. Exactly. But at home, I'm daddy. Get out of my way. And so it's almost like we, we feel like there's different rules that apply just simply because, I guess, the hierarchy is different. But sadly, mm-hmm. those are the relationships that matter the most. Absolutely. And I think you, what's also is I I've sometimes I used to have the joke when I was in the corporate world where if I saw somebody acting out very oddly at work, mm-hmm. I would say – they're having issues in their personal life. Oh, yeah. So so it's the same thing. If, you know, we can get our home foundation really strong, then when we build the house on top of it, you know, at work, yeah. we're even in a better place. So I think people don't understand that necessarily. It's like we think that we need to achieve that great success at work. And as you just said, if we don't have that success at home, we're nothing. I love that. I mean, I really I agree. I think it all begins there. Um Tell me this, because another thing I've been seeing with like my clients, is, like you always talk about part of team is we've got to understand people's strengths. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that a lot of people don't have a clue what their strengths are. You know what I mean? Like, uh, have, you, have you been reading, I'm sure you've read, Marcus Buckingham's work from the Gallup mm-hmm. organization? Mm-hmm. Um, first break all the rules. And they did a study at Gallup, and basically the gist is that they're finding out that some of the best managers don't try to get everybody good at everything. They just mm-hmm. they figure out what their strengths are, and they focus them on those things. Um, but do, are you noticing, too, that a lot of us don't know what we're really good at, and, and so we don't even portray what we're good at very well? Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Most of us are so focused on our weaknesses and yeah. um, self-criticism. I, I think that is one of the, the big things and that I just see so prevalent in society today is we, we, we're full of self-judgment, we're full of self-criticism, and we're full of focusing on our weaknesses. Um, and then you and just magnify that, your weakness, right? You do. So you know 20 the, ways you're messed up instead of 20 try, ways you're great. And then you're just so focused on fixing that weakness that your energy just goes towards that. Yeah. That's just so draining. No, Totally. So the so research I, I, even says not to do that, right? It says focus on your strengths, start there, start where you're strong, leverage where you're strong, and then start working down the ladder to the things you're maybe not so great at. But start where you're strong. Know where, know where you're strong. Or, you know, I, I also look at it from the food analogy, right? When people, they're trying to teach people how to eat healthier, and they say instead of stop, saying stop eating X, Y, Z, you just start adding in all the good, yeah. and then the, the bad will fall away. So it's, it's, it's sometimes when you're talking about with people where they don't know their strengths, I think what happens is maybe, you know, just ask your spouse or your partner or somebody that you really value to sort of maybe point out strengths to you. Yeah. Um, things that they see in you that you're most likely not seeing in yourself because you are so full of self-judgment and self-criticism and, and take that from a starting point and then focusing on how can I amplify that strength? Because I think when you get 
fully, you experience who you are as an individual and you start accepting yourself a lot more. And I think a lot of times, you know, the puritanical approach and, you know, and a lot of times in this country is like, I got to belittle myself. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, ma- I don't want to have a big head. So if I focus on my strengths, I'm, I'm making myself, you know, out to be somebody I shouldn't be. But instead say, hey, no, let me just focus on certain things and start amplifying them. And I find that, you know, those things that you criticize yourself for, they just start automatically just minimizing Mm -hmm. and aren't so much there as, say, you're a procrastinator, right? When you instead focus on something, maybe you're you're highly organized. Just focus on that, um, organize them, organize, and that procrastination sort of starts becoming secondary. Yeah. I I no I think that's a brilliant way to go about it which is it's interesting cuz th- that's the power right there you just perfectly demonstrated that you said go ask somebody you really care about or somebody that cares about you what they think your strengths are mm-hmm. there's the power of team is to Absolutely. have somebody on your team that knows you well enough to say this is what I think you're really good at in a safe enough way that you can go do it i mean that's the purpose of team Right? So Absolutely. we're amplifying each other instead Absolutely. of diminishing each other. And, and you'll find that that person is most probably even surprised that you're asking that question. Yeah. Because they see that in you so much, they don't see that other quality that you've been um, putting yourself down for so much as strongly as they see that strength. Yeah. So it's sort of like they give you that energy to be able to move forward with it and, as we were just saying, amplifying it a lot more. I think I think it's great. Um, it really and there's and then there's something about it that uh, you help me succeed. I help you succeed. You know, the raising tide raises all ships, or whatever the quote is. Um, there's power there, isn't there? No, it is. But it, it's like you know, a lot of times we're just so stuck in that head mm-hmm. um, instead of like listening to the heart and then opening up to some other person to share. Like this is how I'm actually feeling. Um, but I think we, we just go get so stuck in that thinking and not really like opening up and asking for help and try and then willing to take that positive input that we've gotten from that team player that's supporting us or that, you know, our partner or be it a mentor and actually then focusing on that. Yeah. Hey, as we um, we have about two, three minutes now, let's kind of tell me the one thing. So as as somebody that has really, you know, gotten into this, who studied it, who's coaching and teaching people about it. What What's really the, the one key that you see makes probably the biggest difference in being a team player, creating a team spirit, and team? The open-mindedness and the love for, and I'm going to use the word love. I know oh, strong my word. word. For, for um, your team members and the goals of, Um, that you've committed to. I think when you come to the team with really valuing those team members that are on your team, everything just falls into place so nicely. And it communicates more more effectively than anything you can communicate. Yep. When the heart is in the right place and the open-mindedness is there, miracles happen on a team. Yeah. And then then if the team is the work or your family or even your HOA. Mm Mm-hmm. Which can be very political and cumbersome. Oh, yeah. And you got to live with them. I mean, it's hard stuff. Well, I appreciate it so much, Marion. Now, let's get to where they can find you. I guess they can go to your website, marionchamberlain.com. Yep. 
Uh, absolutely, and um, there's a contact page on there. Uh, they can easily get a hold of me that way. Uh, we typically respond pretty quickly. That's good stuff. Well, I appreciate you. You've done great, and uh, I hope we've challenged everybody enough to get out there and make team a priority in your life. Thanks again, Marion. We'll have you on again. Talk about another fun topic with you. Loved it. Thanks so much for having me Thank on. You. I really appreciate this. You bet. Take care of yourself. And we're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to wrap up this show on team and uh, give you a little bit of a challenge. So be thinking about a team where you need to pick up your game somewhere where we could maybe create a little more collaboration, a little more synergy. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back right after this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. One fearless foul has flown more missions than even some astronauts. Meet Camilla, the rubber chicken, NASA's ambassador to school kids. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. In a world of precision high-tech equipment like the space program, you can order up titanium bolts, advanced rocket fuel, or super-efficient solar panels. But there is no procurement system for obtaining a rubber chicken. And yet this toy that started out as an office gag at a NASA project has become the agency's unofficial ambassador to school children and civilian space events the world over. Nicknamed Camilla, the rubber chicken began as an unofficial mascot for the Solar Dynamics Observatory team, where she was often photographed next to equipment being used for solar science. Now she's flown in F-18 jets. She's floated with a balloon to the edge of space. She's in line to ride a Soyuz rocket to the space station. And a funny thing happened. As Camilla's photo kept popping up in various NASA aircraft and experiments, she gained popularity with the public, particularly kids. Camilla is the biggest rubber chicken on Facebook and Twitter. Astronauts and scientists visiting schools bring Camilla along to break the ice and make talking to real space experts less intimidating. Everywhere she goes, Camilla opens a conversation about science. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, team members, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking team. Got my team gathered around, and uh, we're going to wrap up the show with Robbie. Robbie, what you got for us? You a fun story that has nothing story. to do with cars. Perfect. Or freeways systems. Out of my comfort zone a little bit. No. (laughs) What is the story about? So I was watching something off BBC where they talked about the origin of the computer. Was it Downton Abbey? No. (laughs) Okay. Surprise. You know, BBC produces other shows besides Downton Abbey. Hold on. Slow down. And some of them are pretty good. Really? Top Gear? Top Gear. (laughs) A car show. (laughs) That is down. That's true. It's always a car show. And so I was watching uh, Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear talking about computers okay. on a different show. And so I looked it up on Wikipedia, and believe it or not, the BBC was accurate. And I thought, what a cool story. So i got to talk, talk a little bit about it. Okay. You know, looking it up on Wikipedia probably isn't the most Is it Wikipedia well, or Wikipedia? Wikipedia, I think. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia? Oh, well. But I, I don't think we're fooling a person 
listening by pretending that I'm this expert that knows all kinds of stuff. Okay. I could be honest and admit I'm holding an 11-page printout from Wikipedia. You're not going to read that, are you? All of it. Get well, ready. i give you the synopsis. How's that? Let's just have the synopsis. The British Empire. Oh, boy. About 1850. We're going back that far. Yeah. Okay. The, the, believe it or not, the origin of the computer goes back. To Man, that. really? Okay. It was all based on shipping tea, you know, from all over the world. As they had tables to try to figure out where the ships needed to set everything up so they could go. And a guy named Babbage, uh, Charles Babbage, had this idea. Could he build a big mechanical device that instead of having to do the tables by hand and having people hand calculate it? Because hand calculations, people make mistakes. Ships end up thousands of miles off of where they were supposed to be. Then you're getting China tea. Yeah, you're trying to end up in Australia and you end up in Hong Kong, you know. So, as an engineer, he decided he he brought in this engineer and and they built a small little computer to demonstrate to the British government what they could do and it could do a little bit of calculating by just little levers that would spin and you'd crank it and it even had a little typewriter type thing built in it so it actually print out wow like on a little receipt what the answer yeah. to this equation is it was, it was quite fascinating so the British Empire thought this is great so they, so they uh, spent an exorbitant amount of money. Thousands you know. of dollars. Yeah, it was 15,000 pounds or wow, whatever that okay. was back then to order this machine. And right away, this guy, Charles Babbage, started squabbling with his engineers who were working for him. And the head engineer quit, and he tried to build it anyway, and it just – he didn't have enough people on his team to tell him not to – take the new approach he wanted to take and anyway the it didn't work it all fell apart he was broke people made fun of him and this concept of a computer died oh in 1850 in the 1850s now in 1991 somebody went and tried to redesign off of his original design and they made it work and it was able to calculate trajectories for munitions okay can you imagine before World War One and all of that happened, if they'd had a way of calculating trajectories It'll, yeah. in 1850? It would, you know. Where would we be? We would have been able to kill millions more. Well, that was even before the Civil War. That's true. Yeah. All of a sudden, they'd be importing this big, like, hand-cranking thing It'd to America. Yeah. To... So uh, 80 years later, when it's World War II, they're trying to crack – they'd cracked the Enigma – the Germans' Enigma code, but there was a really tough one that Hitler himself used called the Lorenz Cipher. Yes. And there was a mathematician named Alan Turing who had this idea, could we create a theoretical machine that's adaptable and you could have it crack any cipher? You just put in different inputs. And and he came across a guy who worked for the post office in Britain named Tommy Flowers. Tommy Flowers. And Tommy Flowers had all the right connections to be able to convince the British government to order one of these. And uh, the government shut him down. They said, oh, this is stupid. But Flowers had enough good people that he worked with that they went ahead and built one anyway. As a team. As a team. And that was the key. He he had the ability to know how to bring the right people on. So the right people plus the brainiac that Turing was his name. Uh, yeah, Turing, Turing. Turing. That knew the model. And they actually made the machine work so much so that the British government said, oh, Never mind. Let's order a dozen of them. So they became uh, very uh, wealthy because they got all these. And they credit the war ending in Europe probably to this machine because they got all kinds of great information uh, 
D-Day invasion. They were able to why, adjust it. Why wasn't? Why is the apple called an apple and not a flower? Well, because the guy's name was Flowers, right? Yeah, I and I don't know what happened because all the computing after that went to America, and we, you know, Americans are credited hmm. with computing, but team. I don't know. Just have to have the right team of people. Hewlett Maybe. and Packard teaming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Apple just has a better ring to it than flower. I mean, you know, what kind of guy wants to be like, oh, I have a flower, you know? Yeah, that's true. Jobs and Gates. Mm-hmm. Any other, but anybody else want to throw out a name? Well, actually, it was Jobs and Wozniak, right? Oh, yeah. Wasn't it Steve well, Wozniak? But Ga- they brought Gates in at one point. Yeah. And to, then to... didn't Gates... He tried out all these <laughs> all these goofy things that he thought was a cool idea that he wanted to use on Windows later, and then he tried he did it out use on Windows. Yeah. Later. yeah, he tried it out at Apple first to make sure it worked. You know, it was all team. Yeah. It's all team. Cool stuff. Well, I like that story, and just think we could have had a computer in 1850. That'd be weird if the world was 80 years. Think of how much more advanced schedule. we'd be. You know, if we that... wouldn't even need a board op. Fuel, inje- fuel injection <laughs> no, cars from uh, from their inception. Okay, all no. I can think of is like when 80 years in the future is, you know, the Back to the Future movies. Yeah. You know, maybe in 2013, we would have had hoverboards by now. Oh. I know. There is you that, go. Would that have been good? I don't know. Awesome. What? You know, a lot of people would be hurt on a hoverboard. <laughs> How would you not want a hoverboard? You'd need a hover belt. A hoverboard. So you don't, if you fell off the hoverboard, you'd still hover. I'd, I'd, ra- mm. I'd rather go to space. Just saying. <laughs> Hey, you Did are. you enter that competition? Uh, of course. Okay. Can you imagine the Ford Model A <laughs> coming stock with a Dolby 5.1 surround sound system in it? Because the computer technology would have been ahead of the car technology, and so you'd have this whole model, rickety Model A, but it had this really nice sound system in it. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. But I, I bet if I bet if the computer system was more advanced, we would already have more advanced cars. Because apparently, robots are doing everything now. Mm-hmm. Did you not listen to our news headlines? We're here to educate. We're here to help you. There's a lot of help. That's why we're a team. So let's. uh, we were talking with Marion, and she gave us a really interesting idea. Here's the idea. What if everybody right now thought about – this is the idea she kind of prompted in me, but this is your assignment. I want you to think of a team that you're currently on at home, in the PTA, on your parole board, whatever you do, wherever you are on a team, I want you to think of one thing. How – can you today go improve the status of that team? How can you go be a better team player in those areas? Pick one area, one at work, a team at work, a team at home. What can you do today to make an impact on that team? And here's another challenge for you. I want you to go to some people on that team and start complimenting them on what they're bringing to the team. Start telling them what they're doing well how they're doing it well, so that um, they're getting feedback from you on the team about how important you are, how valuable um, the, the, they're, they're being a team member. Okay? Matt, you yes. do a good job hosting the show. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Rob. And you do a good job doing research oh, on stuff you. and then bringing it to us and talking about cars. Thank you very much. Totally true. If we had time, we'd go around and do it for everybody, but we don't. So we're going to leave you with one song that always makes Madison cry. <laughs> Not. <laughs> and so, um, but truly, we, we appreciate being having you on our team, being a part of your team every day. Thanks for listening to us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back again tomorrow with more ideas, more tools to give you a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. Thanks for being on our team. This is the Matt Townsend Show, over and out.
when the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend. 